Well, welcome to episode 14 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. I'm joined again by Darren Hill. How are you today, Darren? I'm good. It feels like um son of episode 14, doesn't it? <laughs> it does a little bit. So this is our second attempt. We've had a few technical difficulties. This is our second attempt at doing this podcast. Fortunately, we didn't get too far into it last time. But uh, what we're doing is we really wanted to look back on the playoff predictions that we made in the Eastern Conference, as well as look at some of the marquee matchups from the past week across the NBA and start really in the Eastern Conference. And uh, I had the standings up just before, and I remember going over and saying, well, look, um, we sort of looked at it a few weeks ago and said Atlanta and Toronto were locked into 4-5. We're pretty confident that Indiana and Detroit were going to make the playoffs. Um, Milwaukee will probably our tip to fall out. Uh, Miami were going to make it, we felt, and and the Cavs would probably hold on to the one seed. Here we are a couple of weeks later, and uh, Boston Celtics uh, clearly favourites, I think, to take the one seed at the moment. Uh, the four-five matchup now looks like it's going to be the Wizards and the Bucks. Detroit and Indiana are now on the outside looking in. The Hornets are making a late run. Maybe Miami still hold on. But uh, the question I'd sort of ask you, Darren, is what's been your biggest surprise, um, apart from the fact that we got it completely wrong, and particularly myself, I'd rate the Bulls <laughs> off as well. Uh, look at it. But what, what's been your biggest surprise from what's happened uh, in well, the Houston Conference since we spoke? Well, of course, my biggest surprise that we got something wrong, Daz. That's... <laughs> That's surprise number one. Obviously, the the, the Bucks, right? Um, no one is, uh, you know, no one's a stranger to my affinity for my Bucks, but they've had a nice streak and backed it up with a couple of couple of nice victories, and then had a blip today against Dallas, as Harrison Barnes sinks ten freaking free throws in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, the Bucks are the biggest surprise that they've hung around and they're playing Thon in crunch time, so that's been kind of fun. Um, and I think we we were on different ends of this one. I thought the Bulls, in spite of their systemic retardation, that they had such an easy schedule, it was almost that they couldn't help but land in the top eight. And they've they've kind of they've crept up in there, haven't they? It's not been pretty. Um, fair play to um, Amiritich, who I think has saved their season. To be honest with you, he's playing. He's actually playing really really hard. Um, and playing all right. I saw them grind out a W against Cleveland. And well, this is amazing, you know, when you play your best lineup that you actually start winning games. Yeah, it's I think... It's taking them a while to understand that in the NBA. I'm not sure how they do it in college, but in the NBA, that generally seems to work. Well, it's play your seniors in... in and so, play your seniors in college, right? And so, I think he thought that Michael Carter-Williams is, you know, he's a senior. <laughs> he's been around a long time, you know, deserves a fair run. But yeah, I mean, play your players, Christ. And look, it's no mystery, right? All of us who've portended the the complete constipation that would be the Chicago offense back in, you know, August when they signed Rondo and Wade has has certainly proven true the entire season. And what happens? Wade goes and gets hurt, and et voila, Rajon Rondo starts playing like Rajon Rondo, and there's actually space to run around, and you know, there's um, there's some decent some decent passable basketball, I have to say. So that's it's not surprised me. It's probably, I guess, just maybe it's certainly surprised you. I know you're not high on the Bulls. I'm not either. It was more like a tallest dwarf contest here. But the probably the bigger surprise for me is, well, 
Atlanta doesn't shock me. They're they're pretty crap that they've been dropping. But it's that Cleveland hasn't the Cleveland hasn't righted the ship yet. Just look at some of their some of the base base numbers and look at a, this Cavaliers team as a 500 road team. You know they're 19 and 19 on the road and they can't beat the Bulls and they just haven't they haven't played defense for a long time and and I think that's 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 kind of where the the biggest and the biggest question in the East I think is always begins and ends with what the hell is Cleveland going to do? Will they figure it out? Yeah, look, I'm not ready to write them off yet. They're, they're still my pick to come out of the East. Uh, There's a brave prediction for you. But um, I have watched them a few times. We spoke about them against the Wizards last time we spoke on this pod. And then they went into San Antonio and got their butts absolutely kicked by San, uh, by the Spurs. Yep. Just completely uncompetitive right from the opening tip right to the end of the game. Um and you just sort of looked at that game. Then then you think, okay, they're going to come in against Chicago and make a statement. Um, Chicago Bulls on TNT, though, probably the best team in the history of the NBA right now. I think they've won, um, I, I think it was 20 straight that I read that they've won at home on TNT. And they've beaten the Warriors, they've beaten the Spurs twice, they've beaten the Cavs multiple times. Um, so they're not, these are not patty cake matchups on TNT that the Bulls were playing and somehow they uh, seemed to keep winning. It's not surprising since Rondo went there. We all know Rondo seems to lift for these uh, national TV games, but uh, that record with the Bulls is um, something quite extraordinary. But what surprised me, I guess, was, as I said, that the Cavs came out and actually held the Bulls to under 100 points, but they only got 93 themselves in that particular game and just looked... Really, really rusty. I mean, a, a night or two after getting 74 only against San Antonio, and as I said, just looking completely lost on the uh, on the on both ends of the court that night. Um, the biggest thing that's jumped out to me is their bench. I know Corver's injured at the moment, but the bench is just an absolute dumpster fire. Um, Darren Williams has, has really given them nothing. Derek Williams. Gives them a little bit of offense if you're shooting the ball all right. He contributes absolutely nothing else. And I think there's there's too many players on this roster that just have that one, one thing they bring to the table. And generally, it's just offense. And if they're not hitting their shots, they're bringing nothing else to the table. They're not rebounding. They're not playing defense. There's not a big assist numbers. And it's just all falling on to LeBron James. And to a lesser extent, I guess, Tristan Thompson. That... They're just asking too few to do too much at the moment. Um, and, and Kevin Love's gone back out and just um, certainly does, looks a shadow of the player that he looked at the start of the season. Um, he was in certainly the best form um, that he's been in since he went to Cleveland at the start of the year. Um, and he, he has not come back the same player. Now, they've right at the ship to some extent. I mean, beating Philadelphia and the Pacers at home is hardly anything to write home about. Um, I still think in the long term they're going to be okay, but um, I, I'd be I'd be stunned if they went to the finals again and uh, were competitive against either Golden State or San Antonio. Well, they're either setting up for the ultimate LeBron, no one believes in us, we've dug ourselves a hole, right? Maybe this is the mountain that he needs to climb, that he like needs a mountain like this to get himself motivated. I guess that's possible, but what I've what I've seen is 
I remember calves of years past where, or even the heat, you just, you can tell they're coasting, right? You can just see them kind of go through the motions and they're a bit loose and just a bit lazy. And when their team punched them in the mouth, they kind of go, okay, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to rest tonight and just, you know, consider this a loss. What I'm seeing is the Cavaliers want to win these games. They want to win. LeBron is playing ridiculous minutes. I think he's number Number one, number two in the entire league in minutes played. Logged 52 minutes today to beat a dismal Pacers team in double overtime. 52 minutes mm. he played today. I go, is that going to help them win a championship? Maybe he's, maybe he'll constant. He'll always have the the supernatural asterisk next to his name, where to doubt his ability to do anything physically would be probably silly. But well, that's probably where I'm. I'm with you. Or the bench is a massive problem. Um, so what did I, what did I see today? Fry, who, yeah, Fry and Jefferson are coming off the bench now that love and love is back and Tristan Thompson, obviously logging heavy minutes, but I think they scored 20 points. The entire bench scored 20 points in a double overtime game. That's it. Mm. That's all they gave them. And I go, if that's, that's a disaster for the playoffs. This is where I think a, a team like Boston has a, a puncher's chance against a Cleveland because they are the opposite. They're the anti-Cleveland. They're the super deep team who imagine Boston's bench unit would run circles around Fry, Jefferson, and the two D-Dot Williamses. So it's a real, it's got to be a real concern. It has to be at this point. You can't fake horrible defense. And, and the fact is, I don't know where we, where this narrative came from is, Who's ever called Kevin Love a great defender? Nobody. Who's ever called Kyrie Irving a great defender? Nobody. Who's ever called J.R. Smith? He's occasionally a competent defender. He's a willing defender sometimes, but that was three or four years ago. He's not a defender. Channing Fry, not a defender. Darren Williams, not a defender. So I go, we've talked about how this, oh gosh, the Cleveland defense has fallen off and, and can they turn it on or can they not turn it on? When you take a, just a real simple, critical look at the individuals on the team, they're not full of good defenders. So it's funny how this, how the 55-second Andrew Bogut broken leg, we'll never know, might have actually had an impact, had quite an impact for his 15, 20 minutes a game just to kind of stabilize the team and play some interior D and get some boards while they, you know, while the guys get a breather. But they're, they're hemorrhaging on the bench. So well, this we'll is see. and this is the thing. Where's the production coming from? So LeBron's going to get his. That's fine. Uh, if Kyrie's not not making shots, he may as well be sitting on the bench because he just brings nothing else to the table, like literally nothing else. Um, he hurts your team if he's if he's missing shots. Now, yeah. when he's making shots, one of the best offensive players in the game. So don't get me wrong, um, he, he he can be a very valuable player, but. So let's say he is on, then he gets it back for the playoffs. Kevin Love doesn't look the same player. Tristan Thompson, he, he's going to do what he does, but he's he's just going to give you good rebounds, good defense. Uh, outside of that, they literally don't, and we said this the other week, they don't have a center on the roster. They went and signed uh, Larry Sanders, which was a complete another joke and has turned into the complete another joke that we all thought it would be I mean the, the fact that people were writing serious articles suggesting that Larry Sanders might make a contribution to this team I think you should hand in your journalistic 
badge to the NBA if you honestly thought Larry Sanders, after two years out, a guy that didn't even want to play basketball, was going to come in and help a team win a championship. Just a complete and utter joke of a of a suggestion there. Um, and, you know, you look down their roster and you just think, who's going to come off the bench? Richard Jefferson wanted to retire last year, probably possibly even thinking he should have at this point. Channing Fry. Uh, does not look the same player that he was last year. Maybe he's just going through a shooting slump. Uh, Corver was playing okay, to be fair. Um, but he, he sort of brings it one every three nights or maybe one every two nights. Um, again, I'm, I'm not sure you're going to count on him consistently in a seven-game series. So you're really now just putting it all on LeBron and saying, LeBron, like he did two years ago, lead us through this Eastern Conference with not a lot of support. And I just don't know if LeBron's at a different stage in his career now where he's actually able to do that, particularly given the miles he's had to put on his on his body just to get through this season. And today he's played 52 minutes, but every, every day you look at the box score, he's up in the high 30s, low 40s, obviously if they go into overtime games at very least. So he's put a lot of pressure on, on, on himself to go through the season. And that sort of leads me to look at last year and the year before and, and say, what are we missing? And maybe lead that into our Aussies in the NBA segment because there was an Australian player that was there the last couple of years. Um, I'm not a big fan of his, but I think you're a bit more of a believer in him than I am. But do you sort of think, uh, are they missing Matthew Delavadova? And if so, what are they missing uh, that he gave them? Well, it's, I guess it's hard. I don't want to overstate Delavadova's importance, right? I mean, let's be honest. You know, J.R. Smith still is a, you know, Smith looked awesome today. The high, of the highlights of the few highlights I did see was J.R. Smith draining three pointers and LeBron kind of everywhere. Um, my fun, can I, before we talk about Delhi, can I just pile one, <laughs> one more pile of poo on teams we like to pile poo on top of? which is the, the I.Pacers. Mm. So speaking of Larry Sanders' embarrassment, and uh, you so-called it like that, that's a joke, a desperate joke if you've ever seen it, and that's proven to be true so far. Probably the, the second greatest joke, aside from Jose Calderon still having a job, is Lance Stevenson got signed to a three-year three three, deal. I thought it was April Fool's Day. I, know. I actually, I literally looked at the date to see is that April Fool's Day that someone's putting this story out. I couldn't believe it. The human dumpster fire is going back home, <laughs> and he's the. I mean, if if Paul George wasn't pissed off enough already, he's got this mofo pinching butts and whatever Blowing in people's ears. And... Yeah, so I go. The Cleveland, Cleveland was awful today. They didn't defend anything. But they're playing the the steaming, you know, dumpster pile that's the Pacers. And talking about the um, the Cavs bench, let me give you a hot take stat from the Pacers bench today. So our friend L. Stevenson, you know, got 18 minute run today. You know, he still got some legs. And his backcourt pal uh, Aaron Brooks, they combined for 32 minutes. And they took 14 shots. They combined for four points <laughs> in 32 human minutes in an NBA game. Four points on 14 shots. Well done, boys. Well done. So you look, how did the Cleveland stay in this game? There's your answer right there. Is the Indiana was more, they were more bad, 
more batter, <laughs> something. But um, so I, I digress. Thank you for letting me pile on the the dung heap in in Indiana. God, Paul George is so gone. I can't even I can't even believe it. CJ Miles is going to be their next superstar. Um, well, I'd quickly point out too. Derek Williams didn't even take the court today, so I'm not sure if he was carrying an injury. Um, or they've just said, no, this guy doesn't have it. We're not we're not going with him anymore. I mean, there's a surprise in that one. Sanders didn't take the court. And um, and neither did Liggins. And neither did Jones. Um, which you can't be surprised by over those three. But Derek Williams certainly might be a bit of a surprise in a double overtime game. He doesn't even take well, the his, court. Well, his minutes have totally... Uh, just They're just gone since Kevin Love came back. So he was playing. He was playing forward spots for them. So he d- he just doesn't even play. So he's had four, five, one, two, three, four. That's his fifth um, DNP CD um, in the last kind of ten games. So he doesn't. D. Dot Williams doesn't play anymore, um, which is another indication, I guess, they just believe in their their smaller ball lineups, I guess. But um, you know, playing. Um, Jefferson, Darren Williams, and Shumpert coming off the bench with Channing Fry, so that's probably their, that's probably going to be their rotation. Is what it looks like. And to call even Tristan Thompson a true center, I mean he's not a true center. No. When Tristan Thompson's a four, isn't he? Who just plays a lot, you know, just plays a lot bigger than he is. So, yeah, look, they're in trouble. Delhi, Delhi would help, I think, but let's not overstate. You know, whose minutes would he be taking? Right, we'd be taking some Shumpert minutes or some some Darren Williams, and I go, is Darren Williams um, versus Delavadova? It'd be hard for me to make a case that Deli, you know, Deli would be a bit of a, probably a, maybe a more, slightly more willing defender, but beyond that, I'd be, I'd be, you know, I'd be, um, I'd be exaggerating. Well, I think the point I'd make is Deli got benched for Mo Williams in the finals last year. And then I'll just drop the microphone, and that would be the end of the conversation. For me. Well, I'm about to drop the microphone as well on Delhi because we've seen uh, Malcolm Brogdon had his coming out party in Boston, scoring, um, assisted on, and scored the last 12 points of the game. So crunch time minutes in a pretty hostile environment. Second night of a back-to-back. Boston had two nights rest, and and Brogdon carried them almost literally carried them to victory. Then in crunch time, had a phenomenal game. And then goes and tweaks his back. His back goes and stiffens up on the flight home. So he's missed the last two games. And the Bucks have struggled. So the gap between 24-year-old rookie, quote-unquote, Malcolm Brogdon and Della Vadova is already severe. It is an enormous drop-off from Brogdon to Delhi. So um, I've, you know, 30, 40 games ago, Delhi was a... Um, you know, Giannis was calling him a phenomenal, you know, the best team I'd ever had. And he's making enough shots and doing Delavadova things like he does. But now we're starting to see him in the crunch time. He gets trapped in the lane. He's literally the worst player in the NBA with the minimum of attempts at the rim, finishing at the rim. He literally hits 39% of his shots at the rim. Think about that. Mm. Makes 39% of his layups. Um, his passes get deflected. It's just all the things we know about him. So I don't want to just go and bang on about Delavadova. It's what we always say about guys like him. He's being he's being asked to do too much. And so Delavadova belongs as a very uh, awesome guy to have in practice and on your team and culturally. 
as an eighth or ninth man, you know, a really great third guard who can kind of play a bit of point, a bit of off ball, but he's just being asked to do way too much. And, you know, he was terrible today. He made a couple shots, but he's just, he couldn't do anything today against, <laughs> against Yogi. Yogi. Yogi was running around Delhi. So, um, yeah, I think ideally for the Bucks, particularly, you want you want him in lineups, maybe with Giannis there for fifteen minutes a night, uh, and he does he's not the primary ball handler on the court, um, even if it's Michael Beasley or something that's that's, that's out there um, playing. So, but the, you're right. You did touch on one point. And I think this is this is probably to be a little bit fair to Delavadova what he does bring to the Bucks, and that's the cultural um, aspects of being part of a championship roster being around a guy like LeBron James, um, say what you like about LeBron, he's a winner. Like, you don't make six finals in a row without having the right attitude towards uh, winning in the NBA. It's not just on pure natural ability. Um, so he would have picked up something of like that. They loved him in Cleveland. Um, no doubt in Milwaukee, around the locker room, he's, he's a respected guy. Um, there's, there, you'd never knock his effort at all. Um, I guess I just a little bit frustrated some of the, the dirty plays that he put in and um, I think people overrated his value to the to the Cavs across a number of years there. But uh, in fairness to him, I think he does bring something to the table for Milwaukee, but to your point, they're probably asking him to do just a little bit too much. Yeah, well, right he, played 30, he played 34 minutes today. I mean, that's just, that's, you know, 15, 20 minutes too much for him. He held up his own, but I think it's that that's maybe an underappreciated thing in the in the NBA, especially in the you know, in the modern era of social media and Twitter. Everything is just the stuff that we don't see with not just being a good teammate, but but specifically the things he does really well. Delavadova knows how to practice. Delavadova knows how to prepare. He calls out defenses. He helps teammates correct mistakes. He he's a good communicator on the court. He's right. He will be in the right spot. Look, he might be really short and a really white guy who can't jump in that spot, but he's going to be in the right spot and he'll make the right switch and he'll fight through a screen and he'll be, you know, on a, on a great day, you'll see him. He won't back down from a lippy Marcus Smart and Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he fought. He sort of, that's what I, like, I do like about Delhi is that he will, he'll always bring every ounce of Delhi to a game. You know, he won't, he won't, the moments aren't too big for him. He might not be able to step up and perform just because he's physically not, you know, not an athlete. But it'll never the stage will never be too big for him. That's the other thing that I'm actually looking forward to a bit of the, um, assuming the Bucks hang on here and at least win one or two of their last five games and and then hang on to a playoff spot, is just how the, um, depending on Brogdon's health, just how Delhi does, you know, sit with Giannis and. And get the team ready. So, oh, the Bucks uh, are in the playoffs. The Bucks are three games up, only five games to play. Yep, we. Um, I think it's not, safe to put them in. They got a tough. We got a tough few games. They got. <laughs> no, really, you know the, the eternal Bulls, pessimist. The, the Bulls could win pessimist. out. I'm, you know, I'm an analyst. <laughs> the Bulls could win out. They could go five and zero. Oh. The Bucks could go one and four. Um, yeah, but Indiana, just... Indiana, Charlotte, and Detroit are the teams chasing you. I mean, you you four games ahead of Charlotte. You fought, I mean, Detroit literally can't catch you, um, and uh, Indiana would almost have to win out. And I mean, they're in a sort of a um, stealth tank mode at the moment. 
um, given the fact that they were well into the playoffs and then they started just resting players and shutting players down for the season um, and maybe looking towards getting a reasonable draft pick. It's likely, but you just don't know, right? It's likely, but you just don't know. So, uh, look, um, so Delhi, 34 minutes today, and they lost. So he he actually played all right today. He's just physically overmatched. But uh, um, does Cleveland miss him? You know, they're not losing any sleep sort of missing him. Cleveland's missing, I don't know what they're missing I don't oh, know. I just think it's a, it, maybe it's an attitude. It's certainly an attitude at the moment. Not maybe, it's certainly an attitude at the moment. They're just not playing defense. And this, this was a team that really, um, the the challenge that they gave the Golden State in both finals, and people forget the, the first finals were six games, um, and they pushed Golden State as, as far as, as hard as anyone did in that playoff run. And it was all based on defense. It was not based on Kyrie Irving jacking up shots and scoring 40 points a game, even though he had some big offensive games in that. It was about the fact that they could slow the Warriors down defensively. Um, I mean, they're struggling to slow anyone down at the moment, so they, they've got a long, long way to come back. And uh, It's only the fact that there's so many warts on these teams in the East that you look at and just think, oh, I, I've got to see it to believe it, um, see one of these teams actually beat LeBron um, to believe that it will happen. Um, yeah. and, and look, given how well we did last time with our prognostications, let's let's have a go again. We've got five games left. How do you see this playing out? Uh, I'm going to put Boston in the one spot. I think Cleveland obviously be two. Um, Toronto, I think, will hold on to three now. Washington, they've been maddingly um, frustrating lately with some of their play. I can't seem to work them out at all. I've lost a lot of faith in them, actually the way they play. They're currently on a three-game losing streak. Um, I think the Bucks will be in four, so I think that's going to... Wizards-Bucks will be first round, which quite, could be a quite interesting matchup. Uh, Atlanta, I could... Uh, it's hard to... I think Atlanta could actually fall down to the eight spot. Maybe even Charlotte. Are, are you ready to say Charlotte could make the playoffs? Yeah, they're definitely not out of it. I've, I've, That's probably my greatest love-hate relationship in the entire NBA this year is, is Charlotte. Where when Batum feel you know isn't hasn't acting like a like fat Dion Waiters, um, which he does act like sometimes. I've seen him play just god awful, and I've seen him play brilliant. When Batum plays, that looks like a almost like a Washington Wizards type team, like this brilliant one through five. So I'm not writing him off. I did. I killed him and I unkilled him and I killed him and I'm unkilling him again. Or they're the undead. Yeah, look, I could say, I mean, Atlanta lost to the Nets again today. Um, and it, again, another, another game that wasn't even that close. So they're in real trouble. Um, the Bulls are actually, they're playing okay. Um, and as you said, cupcake schedule heading in. Miami have looked a little bit shaky. Um, I'm not willing to, to sort of definitely put them in yet either. But I still feel like Miami will sneak in. But I'm really worried about Atlanta now. They look like they're in absolute free fall, which means Charlotte, um, to me, are probably more likely than Indiana um, of overtaking them in that run home. But certainly we'll see how that plays out from here. But I wanted to now turn our attention to the Western Conference, and I think we did a little bit better with the Western Conference predictions. Maybe they were a little bit easier. Um, 
we did both feel like the Golden State would steady and hold on, and, and by gee, have they steadied? Um, and we'll talk about them in a moment. The Spurs locked into the two. Uh, Rockets three, that was all locked in. Uh, we felt like Utah and LA Clippers would probably stay in that 4-5. That's exactly what's happened. Um, I, I think I said Memphis, I thought, might sneak ahead of OKC. You liked OKC better. That's how that's turned out. Although it's still only one game ahead in the win column for OKC, but it feels like they'll, uh, they will hold on. The big news really in, in the Western Conference has been Portland. Portland have come up and now are two games ahead of the Nuggets for the eight spot, and it looks certainly looks as though they'll hold on. And, and a quick shout-out to the Pelicans. They've played a lot better recently as well. Um, they're still, uh, what are they, 6-4 and four in their last 10. But Portland, they're 9-1 in their last 10. So what have you seen from the Blazers? And has that been a surprise to you that they have been able to overtake uh, Denver and, and sneak into that eight spot? No, I, I think I called that. I thought... If I didn't, we have to go back. But I thought um, I was pretty confident about thinking about their last playoff run and just the the intensity that Lillard and McCollum bring. I thought they might turn it on, and they have. So I'm not I'm not surprised at all. And Denver looks dead. They've got a two game two game leads. I'm I'm calling that race. That's done. Um, uh, Nurkic is out for two weeks, and uh, they did win the, their only game. So that's, but hopefully he'll be back for the plus. But that's, I think, even though Portland have been winning games, the big surprise has been Nurkic. I think he has just been an absolute beast for the past really two or three weeks. Yeah, ever since I saw him gasping, sucking for <laughs> air against that game against the Spurs, right? Um, yeah, he's 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 stepped it up, hasn't he? So what a shame that he goes down and. Well, he's the king of looking gassed, and you think, oh, he's gone. And I actually, I've seen him do it numerous times, put his hand up to the bench and say, I need to come off for a rest. And then the ball won't go out, so they have to play another offensive set. And then he pulls out this magnificent offensive play <laughs> down low, and you just think, what? And then, and then all of a sudden, he's back up and he's sprightly again, and he's not tired, and you just think... What's not quite used to the not quite used to the rigors of the NBA game or the NBA season yet. So uh, look good on Portland. Um, they've got three first round draft picks, so that doesn't mean much to them if they make it. And I think it means a lot more for them to make the playoffs. Um, oh, look, reason so, to be excited. And I think it'll be an exciting yeah. first round series. I, I don't expect them to even take a game off Golden State, but they're, no. they're going to be good games to watch. I think. Yeah, they won't. They won't. I'd be shocked unless unless Golden State rests people in the playoffs, which would be the ultimate insult. But I don't put anything past a team like that who's looking as good as they are. Um, obviously, the other thing that's just happened is the the Thunder have kind of slipped a little bit the last couple of games. They've kind of fallen back. So I kind of thought I thought for a while there they'd they'd contend for the five spot, but it looks like they're they're kind of locked in there and they're going to face Houston in the first round. And Houston gonna, will smoke them. Houston will absolutely be, smoke them. Yeah, I think I think so. I don't think Oklahoma City can keep up. If I was OKC, I'd almost be tanking and looking for the seventh seed because they match up much better on the Spurs than they do on, on the Rockets. I don't think they'll beat either team, but I think they'd much prefer the Spurs than the Rockets from a matchup. Russ versus Tony Parker and Paddy Mills, my God, yeah. Well, Paddy, funny, Paddy actually plays him okay. I watched that game. The Spurs beat. Okay, see, I mean, TP can't stay with him anymore, but Paddy actually doesn't defend him too badly. Um, Look, he stays enough. in front of them, doesn't he? To be fair, he, he's quick. 
He mm. does stay in front of him. Yeah. He's got to get the flopping out, though, because you're not going to get those calls against Westbrook. And if he, yeah. occasionally he flops there and you think, no, Paddy, you're not getting that call. But he, I, I'm not that worried from that point of view, but I just think Cantor is, is the Spurs killer. He, he really plays well every time they play the Spurs. And, and Adams, and, and they've got a belief, I think, that they can beat San Antonio. So, yeah. uh, and, I, and I think Memphis... Conversely, would much prefer to play the Rockets than the Spurs. Uh, I don't. I don't think either team beats the Rockets or the Spurs, but I think those matchups are better um, placed if they change that six seven seeds. And maybe there's maybe Billy Donovan's pulled Russ aside and said, "Look, Russ, just keep putting up numbers, but uh, not in an efficient manner, so we, yeah. we lose a few games and maybe drop below Memphis." But Memphis have they lost the Lakers today, uh, and the Lakers are now ahead. Of the Suns, <laughs> which is oh, it's so brilliant. Oh, oh, that, that that was that made my day actually to see that happen. Um, if that pick conveys, I'm gonna I'm gonna go absolutely apoplectic, inconsolable, because that'll still just the haunting. It it's just has to go right. That was the Michael Carter Williams trade. The Bucks decided they'd rather have Michael Carter Williams and Miles Plumlee than this pick. So if the Lakers pick conveys i'm gonna well I'm gonna, it only takes one team to jump up now and they are out so if one team I'm jumps gonna, into the lottery there's no way there's no way phoenix is winning again now that they've got the lead they're actually got oh, a game up loss column no chance there's, there's no way phoenix can let them catch them no so, no way that's something to keep an eye on that was a beautiful result i thought um to see the lakers uh, lose that. Oh, sorry, win that one today. It's not often I go to Lakers <laughs> to win a game, but I was happy about yep. that one. Look, I think the big, the big news coming out of the West though has been the Warriors. I mean, we were a little bit worried about the Warriors. Um, certainly, I was. They're now an eleven-game win streak, um, and, and they just they flat out weren't playing that great of basketball when Durant first went down, and then. They just they got their mojo back. Without a doubt, they've had they had an unbelievable back to back win in Texas. They went to beat Houston in what was a pretty close game. Um, Houston challenged them for most of the game. They got away with that one late. They then go second night of a back to back. San Antonio comes out, punches them in the mouth in the first quarter. Goes up by twenty two points, coming straight off the back of that big win over Cleveland for San Antonio and there was no panic from the Warriors they didn't look flustered they just said we're just going to go about their business and it reminded me a little bit of the Spurs from a few years ago when you know you, you just see a team get in it in that situation you just know they're going to come back um, they might not always win but you know they're going to come back and they were just methodically came back in that game um, Steph Curry was magnificent uh, if he if Durant didn't was down like this for the whole season. I think Steph Curry was MVP, and I don't think it would be even close. I think we'd be just sitting there going, they've won mid-60 games again. He's clearly the best player on that team, and he, he is back to MVP form at the moment. And when you throw Kevin Durant back into this team uh, now, and, and as I said to a friend of mine the other day, I said the advantage for them now is Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant said this himself when he was on Bill Simmons' podcast, to sit on the bench and watch this team now and actually be up close for Kevin Durant and watch this team, he can now understand his own mind, this is how I'm going to fit in to this team when I come back. So they're only going to get better. 
from an 11 game win streak where they've beaten the Spurs, they've beaten the Rockets twice, they've beaten uh, Washington today easily by 25 points. Um, I just don't, and, and it's hard to sort of see from a Spurs fan point of view, we're sort of a championship bus team to just see that go up in smoke. But that's how I felt the other day watching that game. I just thought, I, I can't see a scenario where the Spurs beat this team in a seven game series. I don't see anyone beating them the way they're playing now. They've done the they've done sort of a tour of all the Western contenders and literally gone on the road and whooped OKC. And as you said, they had the Texas two step, you know, back to back nights. Whoop it! They didn't whoop Houston. They just pulled it out in the end. Hmm. Um, well, I don't even think they whooped the Spurs. I mean, it was twelve points in the end, but it was a closer game than that. It was really the last five minutes. It was decided. But given that the Spurs had a twenty-two point lead. Um, it didn't. I didn't feel like the Spurs could come back though. Once the once they had that a lead of about six or seven points, it just didn't feel like. Well, the Spurs could score, like that. and that that yeah, was that's the, what I mean. That was yeah. the problem for the Spurs last season when when yeah. the Warriors beat them. Um, yeah. The Spurs just could not get past sort of ninety points against them, um, and, they, and they scored a few more in that particular game. But getting off to the fast start obviously helped that. But they really struggled after quarter time um, to even get a shot off let alone so I think that there's a there's an element there where defensively the Warriors are in the Spurs heads um, and the Spurs just aren't executing their offense the way they normally would and, and that is around making quick decisions um, going up for shots as soon as you're open yeah. things like that they just weren't doing that um, a lot of a lot of sort of pounding the ball on the floor for not much not much um, not much aim at, at the end of it um, and sort of put jacking up shots at the end of the shot clock. But it was all about, you know, Draymond Green was phenomenal defensively um, to me, defensive player of the year, um, quite comfortably this season. I know there's an argument for Gobert, obviously still an argument for Kawhi, but Draymond Green just does not make mistakes um, and just sees the game as well as anyone I've ever seen on the defensive He's end. still leading, he leads the league in steals, you know, as a, a guy of his size leading the league in steals. He just, his anticipation is crazy. Um, well, and it amuses me when you see these big guys want to back him down every single game. And it's just like, you're not moving that guy off the block um, down low. So he can he can literally defend the big guys. Yeah. Um, and he's a, he's a shot blocker. Well, he's a, he's a rim protector, I should say, in a different sense because of the steals. And that's the thing. You know, they are just so busy with their hands. You're going in, you're thinking you're going to lay up, and next minute Draymond's just slapped the ball out of your hands and they're going the other way. And that's what it was like for the Spurs. They just couldn't get the ball out of, uh, sorry, through that traffic. And they kept putting the ball on the floor. And then poor old Tony Parker came on and just, it was sad to watch um, how how far Tony Parker has fallen. Yeah. Know, a couple of years ago, someone asked Steph Curry who his toughest opponent was. This was before he sort of went in the MVP realm and he said without hesitation it was Tony Parker because he said you're chasing him through screens all game down one end of the floor and by the time you get down the other end of uh, play offense, you're tired and you lose your legs very quickly when you play against the Spurs and particularly Parker. But... Uh, Tony's just lost that edge and his step and, and, and slowing down is just death for his game and it was sad to watch him uh, against the Warriors because he, he literally can't be on the court um, against the Warriors and I wouldn't be at all surprised to see in a series no. like that Tony Parker log maybe 10-15 minutes I think he'll still start um, but I think 
as the game goes on, I think they'll be looking to other ball distributors. And we even saw Kyle Anderson play a bit in that role. And I think Pop's going to be trying to throw anything at it because that's the key position for the Spurs in that matchup. And Paddy and uh, and TP uh, really struggled in that area. And I I think there's an argument too in those two uh, because Houston's played them twice. And I think you could certainly make an argument that Houston pushed them harder than what the Spurs did. Even though the game I saw, I thought the Spurs-Warriors game was as high a quality game as I've seen in the NBA this year. I think obviously Houston presents some different problems for them. And um, Houston really should, probably should have won the second game in Golden State, but they missed a lot of open shots they down did. the stretch of that game. And, and Harden was really just setting him up and he was playing distributor role a lot more in that game. And, um, yeah, it was just a procedure like Eric Gordon and Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson all missing shots. Um, and, and they were sort of put on a plate for them. So they would have... But I think Houston would have come out of that, I think, with more belief, I guess, that maybe we've got a puncher's chance of beating the Warriors. Whereas San Antonio are probably thinking, to put it in boxing parlance, we need to beat them in 12 rounds and beat them on a points decision. And I don't think they would have taken as much encouragement from that game as what Houston did from the two they played against them. Warriors have an easy schedule coming up. They've got Durant, who's getting healthier. I saw them most recently today against a highly engaged Granted, they've been on a bit of a road trip uh, Wizards team, but a highly engaged Wizards team with Wall and, and Beal who are playing as good as any backcourt in the league, you could argue. And it they just literally ran circles around him. Steph was in one of those Steph games where he doesn't hit the rim. He shoot mm. from 30. He just doesn't touch the rim. It's that perfection, which is just he starts running back you know, to midcourt. Like he re- releases the shot and then sprints to the other end doesn't even look and he knows that it's gone in. It's like his regular shooting a free throw. When they're playing that game where that instinctive, rapid, backdoor, give and go, rapid fire, their feet are always moving. It just, you, I don't know how you beat it. Um, especially with what I saw today as well. It's been a bit of a trend. I know it kind of got, got under your skin when it worked in San Antonio, but when you got the likes of Vicky Dalla, Iggy and David West playing the way they're playing the last couple of weeks since mid-March, they look like maybe they've been saving something. So you know how we've seen the Cavs in years past kind of start to rev up their engines right about now? It looks like, you know, I think Iggy had a lot of criticism this year. I've been one of them, sort of going, what's wrong with Iggy? He's lost two steps. Sean Livingston lost a couple steps. David West is just kind of, you know, space filler. What, what will happen with no... Mo Spates and no Festus Azili and no Harrison Barnes. You know, what are they going to do? And, man, that bench has looked awesome. Well, I think, this, I think- and this is the thing I'd say on that point. When when Durant first went down, I made the suggestion of the year that it might not be the worst thing in the world. And I actually think, assuming he comes back 100% healthy, I think it's actually been a really good thing for them because they got a, when Durant was there, even though they were winning, I think they got away from who they were as a team. And there was a lot of standing around Steph's turn, KD's turn. A bit like what the Cavs do. And that's not the Warriors game. And that's where guys like Iggy probably weren't as involved in the offense, even though they're not, they probably were shooting as much. It's like a bit like the OKC thing where you go, oh, I've got the ball, I've got to shoot now. Um, whereas when the Warriors offense is playing the way it is at the moment, everyone's involved, everyone's touching the ball. 
everyone feels engaged with what's going on. And from that point of view, I think that's where you're seeing... I mean, Sean Livingston's playing out of his skin at the moment. Eight of ten today for 17 points. He really played well against the Spurs. Spurs have no answer for him. Um, as soon as uh, he gets on, he just posts up Tony Parker or posts up Paddy Mills, and you can't double-team him because he will just kick it out for a shooter. So he's an impossible matchup for a team like the Spurs. David West playing really well, to your point, so is Iguodala. So I think... With Durant being out, they've found their identity again. And Durant can now, as I said before, he can see this close up and he can see where he fits in to the way they want well, to play. I'm going to agree and disagree. Where I, go, I, don't, I don't know if it's been a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing when your MVP candidate gets hurt. And what I think, what I'm seeing, it's like, um, it's like that little bit of a breakup. You know, Katie's gone, he's away, and it's like they kind of got back with their old girlfriend. They're like, oh, this is really fun. Remember what that's like when we, when uh, when Steph can just run around and he can shoot whenever he wants and Clay can always sense where Steph is at and always just position himself in reference to Steph and Draymond does everything in the middle and the, oh, you remember what that's like? Yeah, okay. I think they're having fun, right? So I got they're, they're back to what they're this natural all this muscle memory with how they play. Um, so this is so easy. Everything looks effortless. So the what I think it's going to be a problem is Durant's going to come back. So as much as Durant says on on the Bill Simmons pod, which I also listen to, um, as you're right, I heard him say he's figuring out how he can fit in. That's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to go and, you know, get 25 shot attempts again. Not that that's a bad thing. Not Again, not that it's bad to have Kevin Durant back, you know, 80, 90, 100%. But, you know, I think they could have a hiccup game against Portland, um, kind of getting used to it. But um, hopefully they've got, it, they've got it ironed out by round two because this version of the Golden State Warriors, I could see this exact version minus Kevin Durant winning a title without hesitation in my voice. This version is title ready. Oh no, no question, right? no question. That's, that's why I go. If if you can at all call it a, a negative, is that then they're going to have to readjust to a you know a new player playing thirty five minutes a night. Yeah, but if I you, think he'll. I think he will more seamlessly come in this time than what he did at the start of the season. We'll see. Yeah, maybe we'll see if. Um, I guess if he's taking. I guess taking Iggy's minutes and David West's minutes and getting 30 of those, um, I guess he, it's hard to not be as productive with those two as well as they've played. So Yeah, I, I think he – that's that's my prediction. And honest, to be honest, that's my hope. I, I'd love to see – because I just don't know that we did definitely see it. We, we saw glimpses of it before, um, but we never quite saw this team and then you throw Kevin Durant in. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of say to him, look, we're going to ease you in 10 to 15 shots a night even um, until you get your legs back under you. And, and that can even help his transition back into this team yeah. as well. But, I mean, yeah. look, all in all, I, certainly I can't see anyone from the East. I think there's a massive gap between the West and the East. Um, it's as, I, I think Utah would be the um, prohibitive favourites to come out of the Eastern Conference, and the Clippers will probably be favourites to come out of the Eastern Conference at the moment. Um, so I think there's a massive gap between the two. Look, I'm, I'm hesitant to get too hyperbolic about it because I'm, I'm sure 
a certain friend of ours could read some of my quotes from last year's NBA finals back to me when I was calling it over at 2 0 <laughs> Warriors and 3 1 Warriors, and we yeah. were um, piling on LeBron and piling on the Cavs. Well, and of course, they turned it around, but uh, it's, it's just hard at the moment to envisage. The only teams we keep saying Houston and Spurs, I think, are the only teams with any sort of chance. And we just saw the Warriors uh, lay waste to both teams in competitive games, but you never in not either game. I never felt the Warriors were in any problems, apart from obviously the fast start that that San Antonio got. Um, you felt they might have been in the trouble there, but in terms of the way the games were going, um, it was always sort of played on their yeah. terms. You felt um, so. The, I think, it, as I say, I, I look forward to. The Portland series in the first round, that I think that's going to be a fun series. And then obviously we'll see um, who comes out of that, that Spurs-Rockets matchup if that's the way it plays out. Um, and I'd like to see the Spurs-Warriors just because we've ne- not seen it since they've been the two best teams, I think, in the NBA in the last couple of seasons. And the, and the Spurs have fallen over before they've gotten there. Um, so hopefully the Spurs can at least get to that point this year and we, we see that matchup and... Um, which no doubt I think the Warriors will win, but um, then you know Spurs Rockets will be fascinating. Spurs Absolutely. Rockets will be. I think, that, I think that's that going to be, be fascinating. That'll be a good series. And look, I, I think it'll be a competitive series. I, I, I sort of watching that Spurs Warriors. It made me think back to the the Bulls Sonics series back in um, it would have been what ninety five ninety six or sorry not ninety six ninety seven was it when they they played and that was that historic Bulls team. And you never felt like the Sonics were ever going to win that series, but the the standard of those games in the NBA Finals was as high as I can remember seeing basketball play that. And it was a credit to the Sonics that they pushed in the six games in that particular series. So that was sort of the the thinking I had. Gee, this is a high quality game, but Golden State are on another level mm-hmm. to San Antonio right mm-hmm. at the moment. Okay, then we might move on to the quiz. I know you've prepared the quiz for me. This week, <laughs> yeah. You have look, it it's there at the ready. Yeah, I got it at the ready. It's a, a little bit of a um, tip of the hat to some milestones we've seen. Um, uh, this is a couple weeks back, but it got me to thinking. Where Dirk hit his um, his thirty thousandth point. Yep. And then we saw LeBron recently pass, you know, pass someone, you know, pass Shaq, um, wasn't it? He passed Shaq. He passed Shaq. That's right. Um, all time to move into number seven all time and just got me to thinking because we've seen some um, some old warriors right kind of rearing their heads this year so I got my list in front of me the top 50 scorers in NBA history eight of them are active we've talked about Dirk and LeBron can you name the other six active highest um, all-time NBA scorers Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to go through now. So, yep. would Kevin Durant be one? He Already? would not. He'd not be He's one. not old He's enough. Nope. Not old enough. Nope. Or at Steph? Nope, not old enough either. So, off Ooh. to a roaring start, Dad. Off to a great start. <laughs> I was thinking, okay. <laughs> There's a certain player who's really old who plays on your favorite team. I thought you might start there with Manu you know. or Tony Parker. Oh Jesus! The the tall kid. What? Tim Powell. Duncan. Pow! Oh, pow! 
I never even think of powers. You've got to think old, play, old players here, mate. You've got to reorient your <laughs> Dwight and stuff. They're still probably a few years away. Yeah, yeah, okay, so. so we've got power. <laughs> you got you power. He's number power. eight. He's number I don't 40. think of power as a, as a spur. He's a Laker. He's eight, he's eight out of eight, right, of the eight active all-time leaders and number, number 43 in NBA history, just above John Stockton. 19,928. There's one All player right, who's right Dwayne Wade. D Wade, of course. He's up there, absolutely. Yep. Okay. He's number 34 all time. He's about a few hundred points behind good old Hal Greer, and he's about 500 points behind Larry Bird. So absolutely D Wade. Yes. Uh, I'm just going, I'm still going down the list. I'm not seeing anyone there. What about the Clippers? Any of the Clippers players? Is that cheating to ask a team? Come on. <laughs> Chris Paul? No. Hey, well, there's Chris a Clip- Paul. There's a Clippers player, though. Come on, man. Oh, Paul Pierce. There you go. Paul Pierce. So Paul Pierce is the third highest active. So he's he's actually number 16 in the NBA history, 26,000. 387 and F eight more points, he will pass John Havlicek. And in about 109 more points, points he'll pass Mr. T. Duncan for number 14 all time. So if Paul Pierce, he's probably going to have to come back next year. I don't see Paul Pierce scoring 110 points in the playoffs. He's no. going to have to come back to next year to pass Timmy D. What about Melo? Absolutely. Yep. He's behind. Um, He's where's Melo? I just lost him. He's twenty five all time. Okay. Um, How many more have I got? I'm going so well at this quiz. You're missing one, two more, two more to go. One I thought would be really easy. That your one obvious one, one a little bit trickier. Let me give you the tricky one, which is Joe Johnson. Believe it or not. Oh yes, okay. He's right down there next to Powell. He's at nineteen thousand nine fifty four. Um, he's about you know thirty points ahead of Powell, and Joe Johnson's gonna yeah you know, he's got a ways to go to pass Anton Jameson at number forty one. So Joe Johnson, and there's a guy who's up here. He's number twenty two in NBA history, still active. Had a game he lit up my team out of nowhere. Oh, of, Vince Carter, of course. There you go. V. Dot Carter, number twenty two of all time, twenty four thousand five eleven. He's 300 points away from another guy who's made the news this week, uh, Mr. P. Ewing, who looks like he's going to be a finalist for the Georgetown um, head coaching job, which would be which would be awesome for Georgetown, awesome for Ewing. He is he's worked his tail off as an assistant for for God, better part of a you know probably 15 years since he left the game uh, on the bench coaching big men. And so, um, so anyway, Vince Carter was the answer to the question, not Patrick Ewing. So, mm. so yeah, so there you go. So Dirk and LeBron are up there. You know, Dirk is, uh, he's about 3,500 points ahead of LeBron. Um, six and seven all time, those two. Um, and Dirk's got a ways to go to catch Wilt will be next on his list. He's about 1,200, 1,300 points behind Wilt. Right. So, um. Yeah, I think we'll see LeBron leapfrog Dirk here eventually, but not for probably two more years. Well, I think with a bit of editing, it can make it look like I didn't do too badly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do control the 
yeah, the delete <laughs> button there. So, um, so yeah. All right, look, Dan, we, we started late in the end. We, we were supposed to start a lot earlier than that, but we might leave it there for this week. But uh, we'll see uh, where... The, I think next week we'll be pretty much done with the regular season, so we should have some some uh, clarity over playoff matchups and things like that, so we may be able to start looking forward to the playoffs themselves. We'll have one or two games left, and I know this because my my marathon fantasy championship has been going for six days, and I think it's got nine more days to go. It's like a 17-day 17, 17 fantasy marathon. So, yeah, we'll be close to the end of the regular season. I can see you. they'll have an X next to Milwaukee, and you'll say, yeah, but look, there is still the chance that the NBA could come in and take away a couple of wins from us because Malcolm Beasley fails a drug test or something and we end up out of the playoffs. That would be that would be pretty cool. Like, look, they're not going to beat Oklahoma City tomorrow. Or, um, yeah, it's tomorrow. Why are they not going to beat Oklahoma City? In OKC? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if OKC are deliberately losing some of these games so they can meet the Spurs. I really, I really think there might be something I, to I that. Don't think, yeah, I you're, you're such a conspiracy theorist, yeah. <laughs> and James Harden didn't fall on his wrist. And TJ Warren and uh, maybe TJ Warren, of, who also had the flu miraculously today. I wonder if he and Harden were out in Scottsdale doing tequila shots or something. Well, I can guarantee you, James, there was nothing wrong with James Haran. Um, and that's his new name. You know I've been calling him James Haran because you take the D out whenever you talk about his game or mention him at all. Um, and I just notice every time something happens with the guy, there's a, there's someone in the media there to spin it in a positive way for him. So he's got his media machine pushing him for the MVP. Um, but it, it's interesting when you spend the whole week talking about, oh, you've got to play 82 games to be considered for the MVP, and then he, um, he, he comes up with the flu. So <laughs> I, I took it with a grain of salt, put it that way. You're such a cynic. <laughs> You're such a cynic. So hopefully we have an update on uh, Gary Payton Jr. as well next week. Yeah, so Gary Payton the second. <laughs> was that his debut today? NBA debut today. That's uh, right. Yeah, well, he, he didn't have a good plus minus, but he did a few shots. So. Drained a three, made a dunk. You know, he's a bit hyper. Yeah. But we'll anyway. see. Well, if Brogdon doesn't come right, uh, he, he may need to play a few more minutes. You know what, Billy time. playing That's 34 right, minutes a game. All right. All right, bud. No problems. We'll, we'll talk again next week and then see where we are with the playoff races in. Good stuff, buddy. Thanks, mate. See Bye. you then. Bye.